0: You are listening to Victory Alabang podcast. Where must we place our hope? Find out in week 3 of All Weather in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. This is the third installment of our series and we started uh, 2 weeks ago and we talked about storms in our life and how many of you have had storms in your life? Because storms are normal. Storms are inevitable. Everything inevitable. May just learn that it's inevitable yeah inevitable right? they're bound to happen. Yeah, but you may not plan a storm but a storm is brewing and guess what if you're not ready, whether or not here I come. Sometimes a storm is like that. You know we, we've seen the storm in uh, Oklahoma and you know just the twister that happened it was very distractive. Okay? sometimes it just happens but guess what? the nature of the storm is storms are temporary. Everybody see temporary. It doesn't last long. It's here today, gone in a few minutes, or maybe an hour, or maybe a few days, okay? Hopefully not a few months, okay? So, you know, storms are kind of like that. They're temporary. And in our life, God's called us to have a storm-proof life. And even in the midst of storm, guess what? We can still have joy. Because there's one thing that's constant. And His name is Jesus. We may go through a different weather patterns in our life ups, down, storm, wind, sunny, rainy season, But guess what? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love is constant, and He will never change for His love and faithfulness for you. Look at the person beside you. And tell that person, "Kasama They ka okay? believe it or not? Okay. So, second week, last week, with uh, you know, Pastor uh, Andreas from our church in Indonesia. Uh, shared on sunny or uh, putting your confidence in the Lord rather than confidence in the flesh. And, you know, he talked about the glorifying in Christ or having the glory in Christ. How many of you were blessed with that message? Right? You know, though he's grasping for English, we hear the beating of his heart. Right? So that was, I got ministered three times as I listened to him the whole day last uh, week. So Today we're going to be Looking at windy weather. Okay? The winds of change. And how many of you know that sometimes wind can just radically change? It's windy now and then it's suddenly hot. Okay? And so we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, talking about the weather of <clears throat> the wind uh, this afternoon. Okay? And next week, we're going to focus on cloudy. And the last uh, weekend, we're going to be looking at rainy season, which is. The rain of blessings in our lives. How many of you would like to have the rain of God's blessing in your life? Amen. And so, whatever weather you're in, I believe that the only person that's constant is Jesus Himself. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ. So today we're looking at winds of change. Winds of change. And how many of you have actually gone through changes? In your own personal life, diba? we've gone through changes, and you we talk we talk about wind. Sometimes wind can be destructive. Diba? Look at that, I, You know, it's, it's, the wind is too strong. Ayang yung tao, You know, sometimes wind can blur our vision. You know, when you it's, when it's windy and you know things are flying. Like for example, I was watching the Today Show the other day. And there's a couple of storm chasers that they featured, and the storm chasers said they they chased this tornado and they accidentally went inside the middle of the tornado, and uh, you know things are flying and you know they they were praying and you know, they, they they were hoping that they would survive that ordeal, and things are flying towards their car and the the, the windshield was smashed because I think a, a part of a tree was blown towards their car and so you know it can blur. Our vision. Sometimes when you have a way, if you're a biker. How many of you are bikers? Okay, so... You know, how many of you are bikers? Yung ah? Hindi yung big bike. You know, there's what we call headwind. And if you are riding a bike, and if there's a headwind, guess what? It will take you double the effort to move forward. Because the wind is pushing you back. But a tailwind is wind coming from the back and it pushes you forward. So I'd rather have tailwind anytime than a headwind. Okay? So wind can be destructive, wind can blur our vision, but how many of you sometimes wind can be useful? If you're, if you're into sailing, if you know what sailing is all about, you use the wind in order to go a certain direction. Now, it doesn't matter where the wind is coming from. Sometimes if you're going east and the wind is coming from the west or coming from the south or north or whatever, just by the change of the save, you can actually use the wind wherever direction it comes from and go to that particular direction that you want to go. And so, talking about change, you know, somebody once said, Heraclitus said that the only thing that is constant is what? Is change. The only thing that's constant in life is change. And how many of you will agree with me on that? How many of you have experienced change in your life? Anybody here? Diva, What changes are you facing right now in this season of your life? You know, people have changed. You and I have changed. Look at the person beside you. If that's your husband or your wife, see how much change he or she has had in the past, I don't know, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years of marriage? You know, uh, some of you are just married for 5 weeks and you've changed a lot already. Right? You know, in my 23 years of marriage, I've seen a lot of changes in myself. You know, just physically. You know, I have I have more lines now. I have more gray hair. Because of the church. No, no, no. no. Because of uh, because of wisdom. Okay, the Bible says that gray hair is the splendor of the old. Right? So I have more gray hair. You know, I I added more pounds. You know, I am now forty-five years old, and I am, you know, I am in my midlife. I don't have a crisis, but this is my midlife crisis right here, okay? Right there, okay? I remember when I was married to Shirley twenty-three years ago, I was one hundred eighteen pounds. Now I am one hundred, but it's eighty-one pounds. <clears throat> no, no, close to that, okay? But So I'm working on it. But, you know, we change, right? And I hope that the change that we go through is a change for the better. It's normal for us to change. It's normal for, you know, you to change your profession. It's normal for you to have your, you know, you know, for when you started, probably you were looking at your children. Wow. You know, they used to just be like toddlers, and they are running around the house, and they were like, you know, messing things up, and now they're now teenagers, and no longer running around the house, but still messing things up, okay, so uh, it, it, but they, they undergo changes, you know? they, they go through life, and you know, people change and I hope that we change for the better, guess what, when we encountered Christ, how many of you changed after encountering Jesus? I hope we did hello, <laughs> you Pastor, I'm still the same person. Ah, you're not the born again. Anyway, so, you know, how many of you know, once you have an encounter with the Lord, you are radically changed. You know, the old is gone and you has come. And so we're we're looking at that today. That change is not necessarily bad. But how do we cope up with the changes that happen in our life? And we're going to look at, the, the you know, this particular text that the Apostle Paul has written in the book of Philippians. So I'd like to invite everyone to stand up all across this room, and we're going to be reading together from the book of Philippians chapter 3. Beginning in verse 12, we're going to be reading until verse 14. So three verses lang tayo this afternoon. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Okay, Let's begin with verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which... Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, and in another translation, sisters, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, everybody say those four words, or five words, but one thing I do, Okay, again, one, two, three, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Let's read together. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. that's us bow eyes and pray. Father, thank you so much for this afternoon. Thank you, Lord, for our time with you. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, though as a people and as a family, Lord God, we have experienced so many changes in our personal life, in our family, in this church. In this nation, God, but yet there's one thing that remains the same, and that is you. You are the constant, the rock on which we stand, the constant person, or God. You will never change. Your love for us is everlasting. Jesus remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for that, we are thankful for who you are in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would give us today a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know how we could cope up with the different changes that have in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. everybody say... Amen. And you will be seated. While sitting down, can you smile the person beside you? mo lang mga at I don't know what that is, okay? Tingin palay For those of you who are joining us for the first time, you know, just to give you a uh, quick background on the book of Philippians, um, the Apostle Paul was in prison while he was writing this book. And, you know, he was basically, the whole purpose of him writing this book was that he was thanking the Church of Philippi, okay? Pastor Andreas kept on saying the Church of the Philippines, okay? Last week, Church of Philippines. I said, you know, that's not for us. But anyway, so there was a cer- certain city in the in the Asia Minor Region during the time of the Apostle Paul, he was writing this letter too because this particular city was instrumental in encouraging him by sending him a man named Epaphroditus. Okay, everybody say Epaphroditus. Now, if you're uh, newlywed, if you're looking for a name of a boy, that's a very good name. Okay, Epaphroditus. Okay, I don't know what the nickname will be FF, FF, or whatever. Okay, so Epaphroditus. Okay, that was the name. And so this particular guy delivered a special gift to Paul in prison. And so he was basically uh, telling the Apostle, uh, the Apostle Paul was basically saying, Thank you, guys, thank you so much for the generous gift that you have given to me. So he was, the purpose of writing his letter was to thank them. Secondly, he wanted to encourage them. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul was in prison and he was the one writing a letter of encouragement? How many of you know that if you are in prison, you're the one who needs encouragement? Diba? But yet the Apostle Paul was the one doing the encouragement or the encouraging to the people outside prison. In fact, if you study the book of Philippians, 16 times this word joy, rejoice has come up because it's the overarching theme. Of this book, it's, you know, like if you read Philippians 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And you know it's it's amazing that the Apostle Paul has understood that it's not about your situation that can dictate whether you have to have joy or not. Amen. Whether you are in a good situation, a bad situation, guess what? You can have the joy of the Lord in your heart. Because the joy of the Lord is not dependent on our circumstance. The joy of the Lord is a constant thing in the hearts of the believers. And so, that's another purpose why he was writing. And yet, we come to chapter 3 of Philippians. In here, uh, you know, last week, Pastor Andreas uh, basically spoke about the introduction of his uh, Philippians 3, and he was talking about, you know, this group of guys called the Judaizers. Everybody say Judaizers. Who are these people called the Judaizers? They're not the fans of Judai, okay? They're not the followers okay, of Judai, but they they are radicals in a sense that they are people who are in strict compliance with the Levitical law. So they are people of you know they're people they're Hebrew people who are so radical and they are injecting a certain doctrine in the gospel that says you have to be circumcised in order for you to be saved. That's why in verse 2 of Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul used those mutilators of the flesh. What a description. Mutilators of the flesh. Because he was referring to this practice of Circumcision. Now, of course, as a culture, we accept and embrace circumcision, right? Without any malice, guys. I hope that you do accept circumcision. Anyway, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, let's not go there, okay? But, <laughs> But this is part of God's covenant with His people. When God met with Abraham basically told Abraham you have to let your every male in your household they have to be circumcised because this is the sign of the covenant that you have with me. So that was part of the old covenant. Now the Apostle Paul was writing and he was talking about a new and better covenant that if you are in Christ you don't need to add on to the finished work of Christ on the cross. And it's not about you following a certain law. And it's not about you being circumcised. It's not about you observing the law in order for you to be saved. Guess what? The finished work of Christ is sufficient. And all we have to do is to put our trust in that finished work. And that gives us salvation. And how many of you know that is the gospel? That is good news. You cannot add to it. Now, why do we have to do good works? It's merely... You know, an act of gratitude for the finished work of Christ on the cross. We don't do good to be saved. We do good because we're grateful for what Jesus Christ did for us. In fact, that's why the Apostle Paul was clarifying this in this letter. Okay? You gotta be careful in following another doctrine. Okay? There's somebody that might be preaching another gospel other than the one that I am preaching right now. In the, if you hear anybody, that's the false, false gospel. Because the gospel is good news, and in the good news is, the gift that Jesus gives us is a free gift. In fact, if you're writing an equation, the gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's exactly this. If you have Jesus, you don't need to add anything else, but yet you got everything. Amen. That's the beauty of the gospel. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand for that? Exactly what the apostle Paul was saying to the Judaizers. Okay, you don't need to be circumcised in order for you to be saved. Circumcision is good, it has its benefit, but that is not a prerequisite to salvation. Now there are three things or three keys to face the winds of change. Key number one is be focused. Everybody say be focused. Let's go to verse 13. Of Philippians chapter 3, it says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Can okay, we say those two words again? One thing. One thing. Diba? The question is, what is that one thing? You know, the Apostle Paul was writing, you know, one thing I do. Okay, what's that one thing? Okay, and so, you know, if you look at a runner, maybe you've watched the Olympics, or maybe you've joined some marathon, or you know, you've joined... 100-meter uh, dash when I was in high school, which was a really, really long time ago, okay? I hated marathon, but I love running the 100-meter dash. Okay, so I would always join the 100-meter dash because I was quite fast among my classmates, okay? Uh, I guess being 100 pounds at that time, so, you know, there's no wind drag. <clears throat> and so I love that. But when we would start, okay, when, when you see a runner starting... You see the picture of this guy. What was he concerned about? There's just you know, in his face, his focus. There's one thing that he was focused on, di ba? Was he focused on the crowd and saying, was he focused on the other runners and looking at their gear? Was he focused on that? Or was he focused on the other event in the other field? Okay, No. He was merely focused on one thing, and that is the goal. That's the finish line. He was fixing his eyes on a certain goal, and then guess what? The Apostle Paul was kind of like that. He is a single-minded man. Single focus, single aim, single purpose. And that's the Apostle Paul. Okay? He was saying, and he was declaring one thing. One thing I do. And guess what? If you talk about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is probably the greatest the Apostle ever did. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. How many of you can, can do that? Anybody, any volunteers who can write, you know, the uh, New Testament? Okay. He wrote most of the epistles. Okay. And he, he he was, uh, you know, he, as he was writing some of this, some of the time, he was in prison. But, you know, writing the New Testament books was not his main goal in life. It was not his main goal. It was just a part of that. In fact, he preached the gospel. He preached the gospel radically in different places. He was uh, persecuted for that, but the preaching of the gospel was not the main goal of the Apostle Paul. He established churches. He went around in different uh, cities in Asia Minor and he, he had three missionary journeys. And he was going through each town. He was establishing a church. Once he established a church, he would raise up a leader there. And, you know, there were times he raised up a leader or he said, some of his disciples, like Timothy or Titus, and he would actually help them pastor and nurture the church, but establishing churches was not his main goal. What was the main goal of Paul? Simple. Lang. In verse ten it says, I want to know Christ. That's it. No Christ. Look at the person beside you, tell that person, No Christ. If I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. Now, there's a big difference between knowing about Christ and knowing Christ. You may know about President Pinoy, read books about him, read his biography, maybe talk to some friends who know him personally, but it's different to know him personally, right? And you may know about Jesus by reading the Bible, you may know about Jesus by reading history books, You may know about Jesus because you talk to somebody in your family and talk about Jesus, but it's different if you know Him personally. It's kind of like having a husband or a wife. You know that person because you know exactly what she likes to eat. Like For the past 23 years of my marriage with Shirley, I know what she wants. I know the food that she prefers. I know that she loves ribs. I know that she likes beefsteak. I know that she likes kakanin. I'd rather eat chocolate than kakanin. So we're quite different on that. And so, you know, we kind of, we knew each other already. Okay? It was not, I didn't know that from another source. I knew that because I, I, I had had time with her. We've engaged together for the past 23 years. And we have shared the same life together. And guess what? Knowing Christ is like that. The Apostle Paul's single goal in his life is not to plant churches, write New Testament books, preach the Gospel, but to know Christ. All the rest were just like his secondary calling in life. Okay? In fact, in Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, said this, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom or boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man or the strong man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this. In where? That he understands and knows me. I mean, what's our calling today? And You may be here. You may be a businessman. What's your single purpose in life? Is it? Is it to make more money? Is it to be rich? If you're a student, is it to be more wise? If you're an athlete, is it to be more strong? Is it to be stronger? But yet God said that He glories in this. That He understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Someone who understands and no speed. Going back to the declaration of the Apostle Paul, one thing I do, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. If you look at the first few verses of Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul took the time to write his credentials. He wrote his resume. You know, if, if there's somebody who's righteous, consider me. I'm a radical preacher. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. If you're considering somebody, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Benjamite. With regards to zeal, persecuting the church, with regards to the law, I am faultless. And yet, I consider, not, I don't consider anything about that. I consider it a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He was declaring that one thing, I do. My question for us this afternoon is, what is your one thing? What is our one thing? If you're a single person here, is your one thing to find Mister or Miss Right? Because if that is your sole desire, sometimes you become impatient and you say, "I just want to find Mister or Mrs. Right now." But you One thing: if you're a if you're a wife, what is your one thing? It is to please your husband. If you're a mom, is it to just raise a godly kid? If you're a business owner, is it to have more businesses? If you're an employee, is it just to get the next paycheck? What is the one thing that you're called to do? Guess what? No matter what your calling in life is. And all of us have different callings. Look at the person beside me. Tell that person, you have a different calling with me. That's just a secondary calling. What we're called to do may be different from one or, uh, or the other. I am a pastor. This is my vocation. But this is not my main calling in life. This is kind of like my secondary calling in life. And what is my main calling in life? One thing. It's to know Christ. It's to know Jesus. Every one of us is called to know Christ personally. That is our main calling. One thing that God has called us to do in our life. Second key is this. And I know that you can smile at this. Be forgetful. How many of you sometimes forget things? I hear a lot of older people saying yes. <laughs> you know, don't worry, because I'm also in that particular age. You know, I, I, I kind of forget, you know, things. And the Apostle Paul said this in his letter. And he said, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead. He said, Forgetting? Forgetting? Sometimes forgetting is a bad thing, right? You know, have you ever experienced this? You walk into a room, and you're supposed to get something, and you, you're you not in the room, and you're looking at your stuff. I said, what am I here for? <laughs> Let me just backtrack, okay? I, I know I, I'm here for something, and so I'm just trying to remember what it is. How many of you, you know, can relate really whatever what I'm saying, right? How many of you... Knew exactly, you place your keys here and you're looking for. I, where was my key? I forgot where I placed it. You forget your keys, you forget your cell phone. In the restaurant, you forget your bag. Sometimes you forget your children in the kids' church. You're down there already eating your dinner and they're still here. We forget things. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I'm trying to remember the names of our congregation, but please forgive us for not remembering everybody in this place. There are about a thousand people here, and if I try to memorize all the thousand people here, the thousand people in the morning, a thousand people later, guess what? I might have a difficult time. I need a database in the palm of my hands. But guess what? Don't feel bad. Sometimes I even forget the names of my children. I call Anna Bea, I call Andrea Anna, and sometimes Anna would say, Daddy, you called me Bea, I'm Anna. I'm Anna. Remember? Not Bea. Okay, so, so if my kids experience that, okay lang sa inyo. Don't feel bad. Okay? Because sometimes some people come to me, Pastor! Remember me? You prayed for me five years ago and you know, I was here in the front. You prayed for healing. I got healed and I say, uh, let me I think I did do that to you, right? So, please be you know be forgiving to your pastors. Okay, sometimes we forget, and sometimes forgetting is not really a good thing. Especially if you know your wife tells you to do something during the day. Okay, don't forget this, buy this, 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 this. Okay. And here you are. You're at work. You're yeah. You're, you're doing good. You have a meeting, and then you go home. You're excited. Hi, love. I'm here. And your love says, "Oh, where's the stuff I told you to buy?" Ah, uh, what what stuff? Oh no, di ba nakalimutan mo na So you know, sometimes it's not good, but the Apostle Paul is talking about a good way to forget. There's a good forgetting. You know, sometimes being forgetful is not good. Okay? It causes offense. But the Apostle Paul is saying forgetting what is behind. For, for Paul, it is not losing the memory of his past. Okay? In fact, if you keep forgetting, just go and buy memory plus gold. Anyway, so, uh, it is not losing the memory of his past, but leaving it behind as done, as done with and settled. Okay? That is what he meant. You know, when you talk about the past, we all go through different things. We all have past sins. How many of you have had past sins? And sometimes the sins of the past haunt us. Sometimes the consequences of those sins are still here facing us every day. Past sins can cause guilt and condemnation. It can actually stop you. But guess what? The Apostle Paul is saying, Forget that. Forget the past, or it may mean past failures. How many of you failed in, failed in the past? Maybe failed an exam, failed a business, failed uh, your driving test, failed uh, you know a relationship. Maybe you know we all had failures in life, and sometimes failures can cause us to have fear of the future, or sometimes regret in our life. Guess what? The apostle Paul is saying: forget the past, or sometimes even successes in the past can keep us from moving forward. How many of you have had success in the past? Because many times when you have success, and if you camp on that, guess what? It will cause to be prideful and says, you know what? Wow, I did it before. I can do it again anytime. Guess what? It may not happen. And you just tend to camp on that, and it stops you from growing. Somebody said, look not back on yesterday. So full of failure and regret. Look ahead and seek God's way. All sin confessed, you must forget. Written by DJD. I don't know who this guy is. But anyway, he probably plays in the radio station somewhere, DJD. So he said this, it's nice, so I just quoted it, okay? So uh, my question for us this day, today is, what is your past that the enemy continues to rewind? and pray. Because sometimes when you wake up in the morning, the enemy comes there, reminds you of your past sins. You're not qualified to serve. You're not qualified to minister. You're not qualified. You're not a good husband. You're not a good wife. You did this. You did that. You know, it's a bunch of condemnation. You failed here. You failed. Guess what? Forget the past. If the enemy comes to remind you of your past, go and come and remind him of his future. Because he's going to hell anyway. Don't allow the enemy to speak ill of you. Jesus forgave our past. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Amen. And we are all new creatures in the Lord. Come on, give the Lord praise. Forgetting what is behind. Straining towards what is ahead. Last key as I come to a close is, be faithful. Be faithful. Faithful, not be perfect. There's only one who's perfect, and that's God Himself. But God called all of us to be faithful, faithful in the calling that God has given us, faithful in the race marked out for us. Philippians chapter three fourteen, it says, "I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." You know, say those two red words with me. Press. Say those words again. One, two, three. Press. And what does press on mean? Press on comes from the Greek word, okay? Everybody say, dioko. Okay, everything say It means to pursue relentlessly until you obtain it. To pursue relentlessly. Okay? You are pursuing something, and the apostle Paul is saying to press on to pursue something, and what is that pursuit? To know Christ, to be intimate with him, to know him better, to share in his sufferings. Yes, yeah, so that is what we are supposed to pursue in life. And my you know, my question for us if you're saying how many single men do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. Single man, please raise your hand. Come on now. Single man want to be married someday. Alright. My question is, who are you joking? Okay, buying Greek word that, then. remember that Greek word, that uh, joko, you right? Who are you pursuing relentlessly? Is it another girl or is it Christ Himself? We need to pursue Christ. Know Him, pursue Him. Have a relentless passion and pursuit for God. Guna <laughs> You know, my question for us, are we a quitter? Because sometimes you are facing a mountain. And I wrote this book, uh, Adversity Quotient. And it was talking about, you know, that there are things in life that help us to be successful. And how many of you know that it's more than IQ that gives us success? How many of you have an IQ? Can you please raise your hand? I'm talking about low or high IQ. Huh? How many of you have an IQ? Raise your hand. All of us have an IQ. Look at the person beside you. High or low. Okay, anyway, so. <laughs> and yet, the book is talking about that some people, when they go through an adversity, they just simply quit. They face the mountain, a Mount Everest. They look at the mountain. They fail once. They quit right away. But there are certain people who are campers. They climb a certain height. And if you are in Mount Everest, if you are a camper or a climber, you know, guess what? There are some base camps. And there are certain uh, heights, and there's a camp. And you can stay there for a while. And guess what? It can be comfortable there. You can acclimatize there. You can actually just adapt to the environment. And some people stay there. Are you that person? Are you camping? In, in, in just the, you know, the mediocre things that God has not really called you to do? Or are you a climber? Would you rather go and climb the top of Mount Everest because God is calling us to finish the race? Let's not be quitters. Let's not be campers. Let's all be climbers. We're all called to run a race. And Christianity is more like a race than anything else. God has called us to press on. God has called us to be faithful. God has called us to be single-minded about our worship of Him. And I believe that God's patience is with us. Guess what? We are all work in progress. And God wants us to finish the race. But he has called us to finish. There are some times we may feel like quitting, but there's one person who, despite all the opposition, Despite all the persecution, despite all the things that happened in his life, chose to finish what God has called him to do. He felt so much pain. He felt the burden of the entire humanity in he his heart, and his name is Jesus. And he said, when he had finished the drink in John chapter 19, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, may up his spirit. And that's the God we serve. Though He faced a lot of opposition, He chose to finish this race because He loved us. And he, because of His death, we are now alive. The death that He lived brought us life in eternal form. Amen. And there's the final point. that I want to share with of them. Jesus is the only constant thing. As before, life change. And there are so many changes that will happen in our life. Guess what? There's only one person in the and that our faith in His name is Jesus. He will never change. So it's all the same Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Find out how you can apply biblical truths and principles in your day-to-day life by joining a victory group today. Visit our concierge for more information or just log on to www.victoryalabong.org. Thank you, and stay connected.